God said, this is the first of many cities. God wanted to institute a principle, and I think it still applies to us today, and that is this. The first belongs to God. Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, and the president of Dayspring Bible College in Mundelein, Illinois. Hi, this is Jim Scudder, and you're listening to In Grace here on either the radio or a podcast. And we're excited because we're in a series called First Fruits, The First Belongs to God. And I'll be in Joshua chapter 6 today as we're talking about the, the promise of God to give a people a land and how they came into Canaan and conquered Jericho, but then there was trouble. And the trouble all was because one person didn't listen and give their first the best to God. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the five principles we've talked about on Monday and Tuesday in regard to making sure that we are doing what God wants us to do in the area of stewardship. And this is so important. This is something I've been doing my whole life. I was taught as a child to tithe. Now my wife, Karen, and I, we try to do way more than a tithe because we just... Man, every time we give to God, he's giving us back. I'm not always saying money. He definitely makes sure we meet our needs, but he's giving us incredible blessings that are so much better than money. So I want you to learn these same principles that I've learned and I'll be teaching today here on our special First Fruits in Grace series. Now, right before we get into today's message, let me remind you that in grace is not just radio program or a podcast. And by the way, if you haven't found our podcast, you can find it anywhere podcasts are available. Just search for In Grace. Uh, we also have a television program. Now you can find it every Wednesday tonight on TBN. TBN is the Trinity Broadcasting Network, the largest Christian network in the world. And we're so excited to be on every Wednesday night on In Grace. You can also find us anytime on YouTube and Roku. Just search for In Grace. And by the way, with YouTube, go ahead and subscribe and like the videos and get alerts and comment. The more you do that, the more YouTube shares this with other people and the gospel goes to other people. Now, one exciting thing about our In Grace TV series right now is we're playing Exodus Found. You really need to see this. So you can watch it tonight on TBN or anytime on YouTube. And at the end of the program, I'm going to tell you how you can get the entire full-length four-part video series of us going to Egypt and Saudi Arabia, jumping into the Red Sea, looking for evidence of the Exodus. And I can't wait to share that with you at the end of the program and a free gift that I have for you. Again, you'll have to wait to the end of the program for that. But don't forget tonight to tune in to In Grace on TBN. It's amazing when you stop and just start thinking about all the blessings that God has given you. There's a lot. And when we do that, not just on Thanksgiving, but when we do that frequently in our lives, I hope it snaps us out of some of the depression or woe is me attitude that we have. Say, Lord, you are so good. And don't think about the obvious things. Think about some of the things that God does for you that we never, ever thank him for. And make that a part of your Daily routine is to take that time to stop and thank God for the many blessings and name them and write a list maybe, put a list together. 
We are in our First Fruits series. But you remember last time when we talked about five things that will lock in this idea that the first belongs to God. The first one was everything belongs to God, right? Everything comes from God. It's all his. So what he's asking is for us to take those steps. Remember those real steps. We talked about Israel coming into land. Everywhere your foot shall step will be yours. Now that's Israel, and we're not saying we're Israel. We're not, we're not that kind of a church where we believe in replacement theology. We believe the church is unique and distinct, and God has a future for Israel. But we are in this time in which God is not dealing exclusively with Jewish people. He's not dealing with exclusively Gentiles. He's dealing with the church. We're not male, female, Jew, Gentile, bond free. We're all one in Christ Jesus. So we have these principles, though, that we can learn from the Old Testament. And remember, the Old Testament is very important in understanding the New Testament. Jesus, the apostles, all referred back many times to the Old Testament. There are some uh, preachers that will stand in pulpits. They're actually on TV, son of famous uh, televangelists that will say the Old Testament really has no place in our life today. That's not true. We need to know what it says. Now, we're not under the law. Christ fulfilled the law. We're going to talk about that today. At the very end, I'm going to give you something that's really incredible, okay? But you have to wait until the end. All the rest of it's kind of like, okay, but when we get to the end, hang on to your shoes and your socks because they're going to get knocked off, okay? Real steps of faith bring blessing. Everything belongs to God. Veering off course is dangerous. God instructed Israel and Joshua to stay the course, stay on track. When you go to the right or to the left, you get in trouble. Take these steps of faith, but don't go off course. Hold on to the word of God. And when we hold on to the word of God and we make this the priority of our life, we're going to be fine, okay? And then a showing godly priority defeats the destroyer. So we saw all that in the story of Joshua in the first few verses of the book of Joshua. We ended by talking about the accursed thing. In Jericho, God said, don't touch the accursed thing. He gave instructions to Joshua and to Israel as they were coming into the land to take it. God says, this is yours. They were delayed. They could have been in there sooner. But because they didn't have faith, only two had faith, and those two came in, Joshua and Caleb, now it's time to take what God has said is yours. Okay, And God has given a lot of promises to you and to me. He hasn't given us the land of Israel That land is for the Jewish people forever. Jesus will sit on the throne of David in Jerusalem. That's why the land of Israel is so central even today, right? Now we have Turkey and Syria, and we have all these things happening. It's all going to come into place for the future prophecies. But Jericho is so important to understand, this geographic location. I've been there several times. We were just there, and we saw all the... Just as the Bible describes, if you were going to go to Jericho and do a dig, what would you expect to find if you read the book of Joshua? You'd expect to find walls that fell beneath themselves to create a ramp because they went up into the city. You'd also expect to find one wall that wasn't destroyed, Rahab's house. You would expect to find burnt jars of grain because God says, don't touch the accursed thing. And then when you go there, you're finding all of these things exactly as the Bible predicts. Archaeology enlightens the text of Scripture. It never contradicts Scripture. And if it does, the archaeologist is wrong. We need to figure out what we did wrong. Jericho is incredible, though. 
I love Jericho. It is the gateway into the land of Israel. It's the first stop. But why did God said, don't touch the accursed thing? Remember the Hebrew word was harem, which is the harem, right? It's off limits. You don't touch it. God says, don't touch these items. So the gold and silver, God says, was supposed to go to the treasury of the Lord, and everything else was to stay and be destroyed. What value would of those jars of grain? Remember, they had just brought in the harvest. It was in the springtime when Israel was going into the land. The Jordan was flooded, and God stopped up the Jordan, then they crossed, just like the Red Sea. So we know it was springtime. That We know these walls were huge, six feet wide, built on top of a retaining wall that was 20 feet tall, and that went up 30 feet. And that was the first course. Then you have a whole nother course. I mean, this was a, not a huge city, but the fortifications were huge. The Canaanites were very, very good builders. So this was, they were shut up tight. They had food, they had water. And when they dig down, they find these pots of grain that, that are charred. Now, how unusual, I asked the archaeologist, Scott Stripling, how unusual is it to find full jars of grain in a conflagration? So in a burn layer, he said, it's unheard of. An invading army doesn't leave a valuable commodity. Remember, that was pre-coin, pre-money. So what was money? Money was the commodity itself. Plus, you have a whole a lot of people to feed, and you have an army to feed, right? So you, you need to take those things out of the city, and then you burn the city. Why were they left there? Because God said, this is the first of many cities. This is a principle that God was going to institute. God wanted to institute a principle, and I think it still applies to us today, and that is this. The first belongs to God. The first belongs to God. Let's go back and look at that in Joshua chapter 6, verse 18. And ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, harem, lest ye make yourselves accursed. When ye take the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel accursed and trouble it, but all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord, they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So apart from those items went to the Lord, the rest of it was supposed to be left and burned as an offering, as a first fruit of all the other cities, and the rest of the cities, by the way, they could go and take. As they conquered them, they could take those items. They would live in houses they didn't build. They could actually just move right in to the houses that God had given them and all the other things that were part of that. The first belongs to God. God was teaching this to Israel, and let's learn from their lesson. Embark on a journey to explore the inspiring story of the Exodus within grace. Call now for your free Exodus map, 800-78-GRACE. This map depicts the route of the Israelites during their escape from Egypt. When you give $35 or more, you'll receive the Exodus map and our brand new video series, Exodus Found, where Jim Scudder Jr. retraces the Exodus in Egypt and Saudi Arabia diving into the Red Sea to uncover evidence of the miraculous crossing. For those giving $250 or more, you will get the complete Exodus package, the map, the video series, and a beautiful, exclusive 16 by 20 canvas print showcasing the miraculous Red Sea crossing. And from now until the end of the year, a generous donor will be doubling all gifts. To get these limited time exclusive materials, 
Call 800-78-GRACE or visit ingraceradio.com or write to InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Now, what is a first fruit? A first fruit is a principle of God, and he laid this out in Leviticus 23, verse 10, where it says, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye come into the land which I give unto you, and shall reap the harvest thereof, then ye shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest. Okay, what's a sheaf? Uh, we sing a song, Bringing in the Sheaves, right? A sheaf is what they would do is they would have a sickle, and obviously all this was manual labor until the 1800s. We were doing the same thing, right? Yeah, I actually got to drive a harvester. My wife's uncles are farmers down state Illinois, and um, I went down there, and I'm like, hey, can I, can I drive one of those combines? And they looked at me like, well, yeah, how much are we going to have to pay you? I'm like, no, I'll do it for free. And they're like, yeah, you know, stay as long as you want. I got in that thing. It was a caterpillar, and they had tracks on this thing. And it was like air-conditioned, and it was smooth, and it was all computerized. And I'm thinking, I wonder how much this thing costs, you know. So they gave me a real flat, easy field, and we're going through there and harvesting soybeans, and a tractor would pull up beside me, and you'd bring the boom out, and you'd unload what was in the combine into the trailer of the tractor next to you. And it was just this incredible operation. And the beans had to be a certain dryness. It was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. You imagine, though, how much work it would be to go harvest by hand. Well, that's how it was done. So let's say they had a grain harvest. They had barley. They had wheat. So they have a barley harvest, which was the first harvest. They'd have it all, you know, grown up tall. So they'd come in, grab a handful, and cut it with the sickle. Then you have these handfuls, and they would bring, sometimes let children even do it, or people that were a little older would actually carry those handfuls to an area that they would collect a sheaf. A sheaf would be like where you could maybe grab it, pick it up, and they would bind that, and there it would sit in the sun. So these fields would have these sheaves all around, and you would actually still see this in some countries. I've seen this in Africa. I've seen this in India. They still do it this way, a lot of the farmers, because they don't have the mechanism. So God is saying to Israel, the first sheaf of the first harvest is mine. Now, how hard would it be for the farmer to take his first, probably his best, right? It's the first of the harvest. He's going to harvest the best first, and he's going to take that sheaf. Before he can do any more harvesting, he's going to take that sheaf and bring it to the Lord and wave it before the Lord and offer it to the Lord, consecrate it to the Lord. This takes a day or two. So in the meantime, what could happen to the rest of that crop? What could happen? Okay, think of a hailstorm. If it's springtime, this is in March. The barley harvest is in March. Uh, a windstorm can knock all that barley down and it's ruined. A hailstorm, a tornado, a flood, whatever. There's a lot of things that could go wrong before they can get back into that field. The field's ready to harvest. They've got to get going. If you know any farmers, any of you ever done any farming, you know it's like intense, right? Because you can't take a chance. But you're going to take the time and you're going to take that sheaf and you're going to bring it before the Lord and say, Lord, by offering this first fruit to you, I'm acknowledging that you've provided all of it, and really it's all yours, but I'm going to give you this in faith and say, Lord, I trust you that the rest of the harvest is going to be blessed. It's a real step of faith, and it's a hard thing for us to do that. What we want to do is collect it, make sure we have enough for ourselves and our family, and then give the Lord the offering, right? That's what we would want to do. 
because that's human nature. This was a really hard thing to ask of Israel. There were a couple other harvests in Israel. One was the wheat harvest. I was there this June as they were harvesting their wheat, uh, and it was really neat to be there during that time, and that's around Pentecost. Pentecost, another harvest of Israel. So the barley harvest was first fruits. The wheat harvest was Pentecost. Uh, the fruit harvest, grapes and pomegranates and other uh, items of fruit were in, in the fall in September. So those are the three harvest times, and there were uh, different feasts that were associated with those harvest times as well. Now, what's interesting is this first harvest of barley was the first fruit offering was to take place the first day of the week after the Passover. Faith, faith is what they're showing. When we give our first to the Lord, we're saying that we have faith in his provision that he's going to give us what we need. And we're going to then first say, you're first in my life. You're the most important in my life. The first belongs to you. Now, how does this apply to us today if we're not into farming or, or growing fruit or whatever, raising livestock? And I don't know that any of you are. None of you in the suburbs of Chicago would know the first thing about it. You can barely plant a garden, you know. Uh, how would we possibly uh, raise a whole, uh, you know, field of crops or, um, you know, raise animals? Well, how can this apply to me? I thought through this, and I think for sure it can apply in this way. How can I apply it to my life? I hope that you have a plan for your, your budget. And when we plan out, okay, I know I need so much for rent or mortgage. I need so much for food. I need so much for uh, you know, repairs on the, on the home or renting, whatever it is. However you have your life. And you know there's certain really important needs. You're going to have some medical expenses. You're going to need some clothes and you know, whatever it is. So you're kind of saying, this is how much I make and this is what I'm going to spend that on. Here's how I think first fruits can apply to us, say, if the first belongs to God. And, I, and I've done this in, in my life. The first line item of our budget should be giving to God. You know, there's some churches that, and I remember one pastor telling me this, that the church says, hey, pastor, um, we're going to get your paycheck to you as soon as we pay the electric and pay the gas and uh, fix the roof on the church, the leak. And, and the pastor's like, you know what? That's not biblical. The pastor should get the first check, and then you know, let's figure out a way to pay for the rest. And I think that's true. How often do we put God's second or third on the list, and maybe we don't even realize it, but that's what we're doing. Or maybe we don't even give to God at all. But God needs to be first. So in that budget, you say, well, do I tithe on what I make, my gross or my net? Uh, one author said, do you want a gross blessing or a net blessing? <laughs> So I, I would say on your gross, before, before taxes, this is my income, this is what I'm going to give to God, a percentage of that income, and that's the first thing on my list. I'm going to have to figure out how to do all the rest, but this is, this is where it applies to me in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm saying to the Lord, you're first, and, and I trust that you're going to meet my needs, and he does. That's the beauty of it. If you don't do this, you're not getting to experience some of the, the great things that God can do. Uh, the Bible says that we should be cheerful givers. That word cheerful is hilarious. And it does become hilarious when we start to see God, how he does it for us, how he makes up the difference. Or, you know, it's just, it's awesome. But you don't get to experience it because you're not taking that step of faith. And the first fruits is uh, the way that God was teaching Israel and teaching us on how to make sure we give our first to God. So what happens when we don't? 
Uh, let's look at Achan. Any of you heard of Achan? Uh, in Joshua 7, 1, now God had told Israel not to touch the accursed thing, but there's always one, right? There's always one that messes it up for everybody else. Achan, in verse 1 of chapter 7 of Joshua, the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. Isn't that interesting? It says the children of Israel committed a trespass when it wasn't everybody, it was one guy. One guy. But there is a principle there, right? One person can represent everybody, both for good and for bad. We'll talk more about that one guy tomorrow on In Grace. And you know, we, we can't be that person. We can't be the person that's going to lead others to go down the wrong path or to, to, to face something hard in their life. We need to be the people that are bringing others hope and, and, and bringing others blessings. And I think one of the important ways to do that is to give to God to be a good steward and make sure we practice this principle of the first belongs to God. Again, more about that tomorrow on our Thursday edition of In Grace. Right before we go, I can't wait to share with you three new resources that we have here at In Grace. One is something absolutely free. I love free myself, and I know you do too, and this is literally absolutely free, a map and a chart that gives you a lot of information about the route of the Exodus. When I was a kid, I would open up the back of the Bible, and as I grew and studied the Bible, I really didn't understand the map that they had back there of the Exodus. It didn't really make sense to me, but as I got older and I started to study this and I started to read about it and I actually went to Egypt and Saudi Arabia, now I think I really understand the actual real route of the Exodus and the actual crossing point of the Red Sea and the actual Mount Sinai. All of that is in our new series, Exodus Found. We're playing it on Fridays here on the radio. We're playing it on television right now. You can get the full video from us. I'll tell you more about that in a second. But I want to send you this map. It's absolutely free. On the back of the map is a guide that gives you all the information that we found, the archaeological proof, the biblical concepts that we use to say, okay, this is where this is, this is where this has to have been. And it really helps explain all of this in, in, a, in a visual way. So I would love for you to contact us and get this free Exodus found map. You can only get it from us here at In Grace. We produced it. I actually was part of the process of making sure everything was on here that we actually filmed in Egypt and Saudi Arabia. And I would love for you to get this absolutely free Exodus found map and guide. Now, for those of you that want to give to In Grace, right now is a good time because we have a matching gift campaign. For those of you that can give $35, that's going to be doubled to 70 and you get a full-length video, Exodus Found. This includes all of the diving that we did in the Red Sea, all of the, the places that we went to, and all the evidence that we found both in Egypt and Saudi Arabia of the Exodus. And it'll remind you that God is a big God that can help us when nothing else seems to be able to be done. God can do a great miracle like part the Red Sea. That's the God we serve. And I think when you get this video series, you'll be reminded of that. And you might also want to give this to someone because people are very skeptical about the Bible, about the stories of the Bible. Parting the Red Sea is a real story. It really happened. I found real evidence and I want you to see this. For your gift of 35 or more, you get the video series and the map. Now, some of you have said, hey, Pastor Scudder, we want to do more for the gospel. We want more people to hear the gospel. When you give a gift of $250 or more, you will have your gift doubled to 500 
And I'm going to send you the map and the video series, plus this beautiful four-color canvas print, original artwork. One of our staff here at Ingrace made this of the Red Sea parting. It's absolutely beautiful. The waters are parting. It's turquoise. It's gorgeous. I'm going to have this in my office and in my home. I want you to have this as well. Contact us today to get these resources. 1-800-78-GRACE or go to ingraceradio.com. Call now for your free Exodus map, 800-78-GRACE. When you give $35 or more, you'll receive the Exodus map and the video series Exodus Found. For gifts of $250 or more, you will also receive a beautiful, exclusive 16 by 20 canvas print showcasing the miraculous Red Sea crossing. Also, a generous donor is matching all gifts until the new year. Call 800-78-GRACE. Visit ingraceradio.com or write to Ingrace, P.O. Box 9. Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Thank you for joining us on In Grace Radio with Jim Scudder Jr. In Grace is a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Our goal is to share the light of Jesus to a darkening world, helping you find hope, gain purpose, and be a light. You can be that light today by joining our mission to spread the gospel around the world. Just call us, 800-78-GRACE, or go online, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in tomorrow as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on InGrace Radio. Radio.